Blog Talk Radio. July 31st, wow, seven, seven full months into the year already, Jim. I, somebody said to me it's like 120 days or something from Christmas, and I, I know my life used to seem like it went by so slowly when I was in my 20s and even 30s, but now that I'm in my 40s, these years are starting to fly by. It's scaring me. Yeah, it happens when you get older, and the best thing, uh, I read a, an explanation from some scientists said that when you're young, you have very few events in your life, so everything seems stretched out. When you're older, things just kind of come and go. And I mean, the years pass, and it's like I was thinking of something. I said, "God, that was like ten years ago," and it seemed yeah. like it was two years ago. And the World Cup is ancient history. Did that end just less than a month ago? <laughs> I mean, has anybody even thought about soccer in the last two weeks? Yeah, not in, not in America, and it just shows that how it just it's you get a build up for stuff, and it comes and it goes, and before you know it, we're have pro football, and it'll be Christmas. And, I mean, it's just it is funny that it is like already August first tomorrow. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, well, and and of course for us, it's football season, and that's how Outsports was started. Was really around football, Jim and me, and. Cape Cod talking about upcoming NFL season and just kind of deciding that we'd start a little website to talk about the NFL. People, a lot of people don't realize that that's how Outsports started. Was just you and me looking for a spot to talk about the NFL in 1999. Doug Flutie and uh, God, who was the the Broncos quarterback? Greasy. I think was it was Brian Greasy. Bobby Brister, maybe. <laughs> or no, it was that before. I was after last. He may even be prior to no. It got who Brian was, Greasy? Wasn't it, was, it Brian uh, Greasy? Yeah, it was Brian Greasy after Elway. No. Yeah, our first and headline now, was <laughs> we have one a one page first. It was a story on the NFC AFC East today. A story was blood in the East. I remember that because <laughs> a couple what? players got banged up. It was blood in the East. Was our very first out sports headline. It was just blood a roundup of the. the- Blood in the East because there were guys who got like broken noses, and we found some picture we probably stole from some other website of a player with blood on his face. But um, that was the start of Outsports, a, a, a description of the battle in the AFC East in 1999. Wow. How do you remember that? As I did on that Wayback Machine once, and one time it came up our very first page. It was a one-page. We had a one-page website. I remember. I remember. We had. We created the chump of the week. <laughs> no, or was no, 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 no. No, it was the bonehead coach of the week. But I called Doug Flutie a chump. Correct. And you were a big fan. Well, now I mean, it's it's funny because back when we started out sports, we weren't really talking about gay issues in the NFL because there weren't any. But today, it's like. Every week there's some new issue, and this week it's the NFL is going to be very explicitly uh, issuing penalties for for gay slurs. When so, what did the, the story that you posted said that 
that they first presented this to the the Rams this week? No, they're presenting it to the Rams either today or tomorrow. They're going to every training camp, and it's a 12-minute video on player conduct. A lot of the emphasis was the Miami Dolphins, all the bullying in their locker room last year, and then you have Michael Sam. So it's an emphasis on any sort of racial slur, sexual orientation slur, or general sort of demeaning behavior is a 15-yard penalty plus possible future disciplinary action. Um, I think it's probably one of the, I always call it the point of emphasis this year. I think it's a point of emphasis because they find people in the past for using gay slurs, but it hasn't yep. been a while. So I think because of Michael Sam, this is, it's simply a heightened point of emphasis. And the Rams simply are like on the clock today or tomorrow. They're go, they haven't started with the Rams. They're doing all the teams. Uh, but because of Michael Sam, it, it takes on a little extra relevance there, although the last place anybody would say a, a, a slur would be on the Rams. Uh, but even one of the players said, you know, it's it's good to know this, and we all hate sitting through meetings, but it's kind of a reminder. But it also shows the NFL is changing. They adopted sexual orientation uh, last year as a policy, and they issued a you know one of those posters that was in all the locker rooms. So this kind of takes it a step further. Well, so one of the things that, that people – have said online since you posted that is that 15 yards isn't enough that that the NFL should be doing more. Do you think that they should be doing more? Is a 15 yard penalty on the field enough? Well, I think they're confused that, that if you say say faggot, you're going to get you get 15 yards. And then I am certain the person will be fined, maybe suspended. It's it's the trigger. It's like if you call a player the N-word. It's an automatic 15 yards. It's not like they don't have the discretion. It's, okay, I'm, I'm flagging you for that. It's, so it's not like the only thing you're going to get is a 15-yard penalty. On the field, you can't do much more than, I guess you can kick the player out of the game, although it seems a little harsh. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's the trigger, and then the, uh, you know, the NFL will hear it. So I think people are almost acting like the only penalty for a player is 15 yards. No, that's the on-field during the game thing, which is a pretty major penalty during the NFL game because it results in a – uh, you know, in a first down for the other team um, or, you know, 15 yards back for you if you're on offense. So <clears throat> I, think, I, I, think, I think people are misconstruing as if that's the only thing because the policy says subject to further disciplinary. And I think given everything going on these days, you're clearly looking at a fine. I mean, they fined Joey Porter, what, six, seven years ago? Right. Calling Kellen Winslow a fag. And so I don't think in 2014 with Michael Sam they would – not do anything other than that. Yeah, I mean, do you? Well, you? well, first of all, you can call in to, to have your say on this at 347-945-7834. So, but just quickly, Joey Porter, he used that word, was it on the field? He said it to Kellen Winslow Jr. when Winslow was with the Browns. And I guess Brinslow, Winslow reported after the game and they investigated, and I think it was like a $10,000 fine. Hmm. That's the last time I can well, first remember of all, that. Because you, let's, let's you've talked to a lot of NFL players, and I've talked to some, and they basically say they almost never hear this anymore at the pro level. Yeah. Well, that's why in, in, in high school, you know, officiating over the last year, both high school and youth, I've heard a lot of stuff. I've heard parents say stuff. I've heard coaches say stuff. Players, I've heard racial slurs, I've heard sexist 
slurs. What I haven't heard is gay slurs. I have really? not heard queer or fag or sissy. I just haven't heard it. Hmm. And and you know when and I'm listening because I you know have no interest in tolerating that kind of stuff. Um, and and some of the, yeah, just, I haven't heard it. And I'm on the sidelines too. I, I I'm uh, either a line judge or a headlinesman, and so I'm right there where the where the the teams are. Uh, at least one of the teams and the coaches, and I hear a lot of jabbering, and there's a lot of um, stuff like demeaning stuff. I don't want to say the those the words on the on the podcast, but this, this is like gender stuff, like equating people with women. But mm-hmm. but there's never there's just never anti-gay stuff. I just haven't heard it. But you know, somebody said you live in L.A. It's probably a little bit different in the Midwest, and that could be true. Yeah, but we've talked to other NFL players, and they say they heard it in high school. They heard it less in college, and they simply don't hear it at the pro level. Um, I mean, they can do a lot of things to people in the pile up, and probably punch them and try to gouge, or, you know, try to claw their uh, helmet off or something. But it seems that for whatever reason, this is simply is not a. I don't think it's a problem. I think this is simply one of those points of emphasis that you know, hey, it's a new era. We have an openly gay player. You got to be careful. Yeah, and and I uh, and so as far as whether it's an appropriate penalty on the field, there's really no other penalty. And in high school uh, rules, we are allowed to double a penalty if it's flagrant. But it's um, you know I'm not sure. I know it's for personal fouls. I'm not sure it's for its unsportsmanlike conduct. And personal fouls are essentially physical, and sportsmanlike conduct are are not physical. So I, I, I'm in high school. We might be able to make it a 30-yard penalty, but I don't think you can in the NFL. And if you start having the referees take charge and kicking people out of games for language, I mean, if it's a second or third offense in one game, that's one thing. And I think an official might step in and eject somebody if it's fighting words and the person's doing it two or three times. But for one incident, you really it's up to the league after the game to decide if they want to take further action. You're right. Well, and what's interesting is this: a lot of this stems from uh, an official who used a racial slur against a player <laughs> last year. A black official against a black player. That that's sort of the irony about it. Some of this heightened thing is because of what an actual official said, which you would think he'd be the last person to throw some of the kind of language out. So. Um, I think probably the officials themselves have to be equally as careful. Um, but I don't think it's I have been not a, heard I, officials. <laughs> that was so bizarre about it. Is that the thing came out of the blue? I forget what the game it was, but the player complains that way. He called me the N word, <laughs> and it was a little big hubbub for a while. And uh, I think the official got suspended. But that's sort of part of the point of emphasis on this. So it's it, it kind of goes both ways. Um, that officials themselves have to watch what they say. Um, but, again, I, I think in the era of – what? No, go ahead. Yeah, I just think of the era of on-field microphones and stuff. If this gets picked up, if it was broadcast, then it becomes even a bigger issue than if it's said in the middle of a pileup and no one hears it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just uh... – Again, that's the thing. Some people, you know, people say stuff that I don't hear. I mean, I'll look over, and two guys are 
<laughs> swinging fists, and they're screaming. He said X to me, or he said this to me, and I, you know, you don't hear a lot of the stuff. The players do know how to say stuff without hearing it. But you know, for 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 us, any words, whether it's racially or motivated or sexual orientation or just, I mean, if 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 somebody scores a touchdown and I and and I hear him say to the the, the defender couldn't keep up that's a flag that's a 15 yard penalty right there it does, we are as officials really cognizant of it's called preventive officiating making sure that we don't get to those big ejection penalties because we've allowed the 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 uh the environment in the game to escalate uh, so have you actually um, run people with penalties for that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've I've heard ta- it's taunting, and you can't let it. I, you know, I've had to kick people out of game. I don't. I suggest to the, the referee that we kick the person out of the game, but it's ultimately up to him. Um, but yeah, it's. There's just no tolerance anymore for any kind of fighting or any kind of language. I think because of the, you know, you talk about point of emphasis, safety is the number one point of emphasis for the, since since I started officiating a year ago. Safety, 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 safety. Um, now there's a new rule where, you know, right now you with the fumbles you have pileups, right, and everybody's fighting mm-hmm. for the ball. Now it's first person to gain possession and it's a challengeable call in the NFL this year that's what they told us last night that if 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 on a replay you can show that the first person to hop on that ball um you know grab the ball it's their ball it doesn't matter who comes up with it at the end of the pile period because they don't because again those pile ups are a safety issue and so everything now in the NFL is trying to maintain the game Making it as safe as possible because you don't want <laughs> football. Is that the new rule? That's the Navarro Bowman rule because the guy, the Niner guy who broke his leg in the conference championship game, after he had clearly recovered the ball, but they had ruled what they had ruled. I don't know if they ruled down the ball, whatever it was. But is, is it literally like so? If you if you see like player number seventy five for the white team with his arms around the ball, you immediately can stop the pile up and say white ball. Yep. Because when you think about it, I mean, by rule, that person has possession and is touched and is down, like mm-hmm. plays over. So it makes it makes sense. But for generations, we've allowed you know everybody to start just piling on top of each other, and injuries happen. Yeah, I think in the in the NFL case, I think it was because they had ruled the the ball sort of down. Not realizing it had scored, and after replay, everyone saw, oh, it had been fumbled and recovered by San Francisco, and yet there was nothing they could do about it because it wasn't a challengeable play. Um, and it's a challengeable play this year, or not and, uh, reviewable. I guess the official automatically review it. Um, poor guy broke his leg on or tore his ACL on it. And, yep. Um, Dad, but but anyhow, so again, this is, I think this is a good step in the right direction. That they, they I. I they're just being very clear, as you said. Point of emphasis this year is safety. They don't want fights. They don't want to hear this language, and it's good because if Michael Sam, somebody calls Michael Sam that in the middle of a game, 
Michael's going to make somebody pay one way or the other, and that's not what you yeah, want. Yeah, the NFL's going to make that. If that's happened to Michael Sam, the NFL, that's a suspension. I mean, there's, there would be such a hue and cry if someone said that to Michael Sam's face. I mean, wow. That would be like, you know, that would be amazing. But I think it's great yeah. also because it does send a message down to the high schools because we hear so often from all these coming out stories from athletes about how they hear it in their locker room, be it swimming or, you know, sports you think that are friendly. And the idea that the the biggest league in in the country is saying this is not acceptable has to trickle down to the coaches and, and the players at the high school level. Oh, it absolutely does. They, they, they take a lot of the lead from from what happens in the league, and certainly the the, the coaches. You know, they watch what's going on in the NFL, and some of them don't care. Some of them are just low level coaches and low level programs, and they just don't care. They're just not very good coaches. But the good coaches, of course, are, are watching this and saying, "We do not want. We don't want a 15 year yeah. penalty." Well, uh, beyond the NFL starting uh, this month, we have the gay games, Jim. It's been yeah, four years since we were in. Cologne, Germany, for the last gay games, and I know this is number seven for you. What when you look back at the gay games? You know, some, a lot of people have never been, or they, they, you know, they're poo-pooing it because it's in Cleveland, which doesn't matter to me. I just know it's a great time. What is what's some of your like favorite memories from the past gay games? Well, to me, the gay games were were a formative experience in my coming out, meaning as a fully formed, I have I was out already to myself and to people, but I hadn't been out to the world. And uh, they had flag football for the first time in 1990, although it was actually touch football. It was Canadian rules. Um, right. And I had a team, and we were selling T-shirts. And I went around, and I worked at the newspaper as a sports editor and sold T-shirts to everyone in the newsroom and told them it was for my gay games team. And that was my first sort of official coming out. Of course, apparently everybody had known already since you tell one journalist, everybody knows. But it was still sort of liberating for me to not have to sort of hide why I was going away to Vancouver for 10 days. And then when we came back, people were excited to hear about it. And marching into a BC place, which is, you know, their, their big stadium there, it was like, you know, doing it in the Rose Bowl or something. Um, it was phenomenal, the opening ceremonies, because all the athletes marched in and were all on the infield together. And it was just, it was kind of like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by all these other gay and lesbian people who are into sports. Because at the time, I didn't really know anybody into sports and thought I was like the only one. This is back in 1990, you know, who watched Monday Night Football or that kind of stuff. And so to be in this environment with all these other, you know, athletes and sports-minded people was just so phenomenal. And I haven't missed one since, and so that was kind of my first real memory, and it was just like it was magical because this is right in you know the start when it was still you know the gay stuff. Ellen, you know, this is before people in entertainment came out, so to have something like this was just amazing. Yeah, 1990. That's I mean that's a long time. You think about like you said, Ellen. That was what seven years before Ellen came out, yeah. and Rupert Everett wasn't even out at the time. I don't, I don't think. And I mean, Clinton hadn't uh, been president yet, so we didn't even have the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" debate. It was just, it was sort of the dark ages. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's interesting. Some people have wondered: um, Are the gay games and other gay sporting events losing their steam because it's just not that? 
big of a deal in sports anymore. The idea that you that gay people can't be in mainstream sports doesn't exist. So I just I always tell people I wrote this for the Advocate a few months ago. It's just fun, like whether it means something socially or not. It's just it's just so much fun. I'll never forget my first gay games in Sydney and just meeting so many people and running track and meeting the locals and and having a boyfriend for one week. <laughs> it was yeah, your, your holiday flat. husband in our in our in our apartment in uh, Sydney on like the twenty fifth floor. It was wonderful. It was great. it was great, and why would you not? I don't care if it's in Cleveland or Paris or London or Boston. Why would you not want to go where ten thousand LGBT athletes are going to be and, and go hang out with them? That that I don't get. Some people say, "Oh, I'm not going because it's in Cleveland." <laughs> if if you're basing your gay games experience on the city it's in, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, because everyone I've been to has just been has, has its own specialness, and even the ones that you know, I mean, I, I can rank them. But I remember Chicago. Um, you and I played flight football together. We won the gold, but the memory we both have is of a round robin game against Chicago that was like a Super Bowl. I mean, it was so dramatic, and we we won when the team came about a third of a yard short of tying the game up on the last play of the game, and. Even though I was on offense watching you guys on defense, it was still like one of the great sports memories of my life. That eruption when the referee did the whatever he does, where he says "no good," you know, waves waves his hands together. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that was just wonderful. That was probably my favorite gay games memory, like football memory, being on that field, seeing the pass. I was the middle linebacker, I assume, because I was right there. And I had been injured in the first half. I was I was getting gimpy. In fact, I didn't play much the next day. And, yeah, just turning around and grabbing that flag and the referee who – it's funny because the Chicago team had been in this referee's ear the entire game. He hated them. And for him to turn around and mark it short, and I remember looking at the sidelines and you jumping up in the air. Yeah, Corey, Corey, me and Corey Johnson, that was New York City Councilman, were about the only guys we had such a small team that were on defense, and we were just like ec- as ecstatic as you guys and that referee. And then about five minutes afterwards, a guy was getting nothing but guff from the Chicago players. It was It was pretty funny. And somebody had a video camera. They claimed that it showed that he was in, but he wasn't. That was ridiculous. And I just, it's funny because as an official, you try to be, again, be so fair. And I, I, there's no question he made the right call. But if it had been us who were assholes to him the entire game and not the other team, he very well might have said, you know what, that's close. I'm going to give it to him. But because those guys were assholes and we weren't, he made the right call and we won the game. It was, that was such. That was such. It was just to see the you're right. The explosion on the sidelines. It was so thrilling. We beat the home team. They were favored to just steamroll everybody. We had already lost the game. We ended up winning it all. Oh, that was the best. Well, and then it was actually an article in USA Today about the actual event itself because we had a Sarah Tuaolo on our team. And the Chicago, one of the Chicago players just was screwing around, joking, like, guaranteed they would beat <laughs> Sarah's team, which was perfect bulletin board material. And so we showed it to Sarah and got him all fired up. And 
it was great that USA Today wrote about a, a recreational flag football game at the Gay Games. But that's how that's how the event itself was covered. It was covered as a big deal. Yeah. God, I remember that first game we played was just a disaster. I remember you played badly. And then Yeah, that was the first time we had ever like, played together. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it was like it's tough being a quarterback of a team that you throw together, but after that it was just like clockwork. It was like I think I threw three interceptions like in the first game and one in the next five, and it was like just yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. And Corey Johnson, yeah, you it's great now you see him in New York City Council, but he was our star center. Um, you never wonder about defense. Like you know, you think if he did the same pattern over and over again and kept catching passes, you think he would actually guard that pattern? <laughs> but no, these teams said, okay, here Corey catch another pass. Well, for those of you headed to Cleveland this uh, next week, I guess, Jim and I will be there. We'll be around. We'll try to tweet as much as possible where we're headed. So if you want to come say hello, you can. We'll, I'll be there at the opening ceremony. I think Jim will be getting there. Yeah, actually, I'll be, I'll be getting in around 6. I'll be heading right uh, right from the airport to the opening ceremony. So I will be there also. But you'll be at the fun part of the opening ceremonies, getting everybody as they're lining up and getting all those fun pictures and yeah, exactly. Right with all the guys in their underwear and their speedos and all that kind of stuff, because everybody wears next to big ceremony. But please do uh, follow us uh, next couple of weeks on Out Sports. I'll be headed to Michael Sam's first preseason game next week, and then the Gay Games. And come say hello in Cleveland. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>